Hello and welcome to another episode of Bikini Things. I'm here in the home studio with Kaylee and we have Michelle on the phone today as she wraps up her self-isolation. Kaylee and I are, Kaylee and I are both fanning <laughs> our, The window is closed. We're both fanning ourselves with our t-shirts. <laughs> sweating around this time all right so how have you how have you girls been what have you been up to i've still been isolated so i've been doing my self-quarantine for what feels like forever now but just getting my food in getting my workouts done from home and then playing with my dog that's pretty much been my life how about you kaylee i have been doing the same just going to multiple gyms just for change of scenery and also getting super hyped on shows returning this week uh, for the Pro League. Yeah, so this weekend there were, I think, three shows. So we had a muscle contest that was originally supposed to be in Los Angeles that got moved to Vegas. We had the Wasatch Warrior show, which I believe was in Utah. Is that correct? And then we also had the Spectrum Productions NorCal Championships. So kind of interest, I wanted to dig into a little bit what happened this weekend just because there is so much going on. There's so much changing with competing and might as well chit chat about it because I'm sure if you're competing or you're thinking about competing, these are the things that are on your mind. Um, So first of all, let's talk about what happened with the Muscle Contest Vegas show. (laughs) <laughs> do you want to you want to get into that Kaylee yeah no I just saw that from one of the promoters they were told at 8 p.m Friday night that the venue no longer would allow them to host the show so at midnight they found a new venue and I guess somehow communicated it to all the athletes tan masters everyone involved with the show Because instead of canceling on all the athletes, they were persistent and wanted to have the show for everyone. Yeah, well, it's crazy that they would get canceled on the night before the show. That is, I can't imagine how stressful that was for everyone involved to find an option at literally the 11th hour. That's Where, Where was the original show supposed to be? I think it was at the Atlantis Resort. I think it was supposed to be in one of their ballrooms, but I'd I'd have to confirm that. Don't hold me to that. Um, but yeah, getting canceled on the night before, that's so, yeah, I just can't even imagine how stressful that was. And it says a lot about the professionalism and, I don't know, just persistence of muscle contest to still hold the show. And we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but there were a lot of competitors that were kind of complaining and kind of slinging a little bit of mud and I felt like that was a real I felt like it was just kind of a bad like not sportsmanship like poor poor sportsmanship I should say and kind of a really entitled way to look at it because muscle contest easily could have canceled that show easily that would have been the easiest thing for them to do and at this point they're not really making money off of it so they're truly doing this to get competitions moving along get the competitors knowing that they've had to prep for weeks, months on end, hoping that there's a show. So they're doing everything within their power that is within their control to hold the shows. So I agree with Laura. Yeah. I think it's just 
even if you felt that way, I guess what we were seeing when we were looking at Instagram and people's stories and posts and stuff like that, I just think it's really unsportsmanlike to be complaining about something like that. Like, oh my gosh, we had the show at a bar or this and that when the real, you know, if the competitors knew what was actually going on, they should have been grateful that all those months of hard work didn't go to nothing. Cause there were a lot of people during the beginning of lockdown where their months of dieting and hard work were gone, you know, two days before the show. So for example, um, people that are kind of here in Southern California, I know Will Sage, he competed this weekend he was supposed to do the Los Angeles muscle contest that got canceled a few days. He was already, he and Marissa were already at the yeah, hotel. It was the night before. Yeah. Yeah. They were already at the hotel checked in when that show got canceled. So yeah, I just think it was, I think it was kind of unsportsmanlike for people to be complaining about that, but we did want to acknowledge that it happened. Um, kudos mm-hmm. to muscle contests for, you know, pulling, <laughs> pulling a miracle out of nowhere to make that happen. Um, the other thing we wanted to get into a little bit, because I think this is really relevant for you, Kaylee, and I'm sure you're just kind of figuring out what your game plan is still going to be. But so there were two other pro shows, like we said, there was Spectrum Fitness and NorCal, the NorCal Championships. And there was also the Wasatch Warriors. So the bikini champions in those two were girls that Kaylee recently competed against in February. So do you want to Speak to that a little bit. I was eyes glued to my phone on watching these shows and see how the girls did. And the second place and third place at Legends, which I competed at in February, both won and, each show. And so for those that don't remember, Kaylee got fourth place at that show. Yes. So now, as of this weekend, the first, second, and third placings in that show have now all qualified for Olympia. Yeah. Which is huge and so impressive and I'm really, really excited for both girls and all the girls that competed this weekend. Mm -hmm. I think both of the shows were put on fabulously and all the girls were thrilled with how it was executed. It was interesting to see the difference between Utah and Northern Cal. So that also brought to my attention my original show... I had two shows lined up, August 22nd in Sacramento and September 5th in Arizona. The September 5th was the rising of the Phoenix Sun, and that one now has been postponed to December 5th. So in reality, I'm thinking maybe I will step on stage a little bit earlier than anticipated. (laughs) Let's, yeah. (laughs) Wait, so now you're free September 5th, which is my potential show day? I am. (laughs) I just had to change my mindset a little bit, and it's sort of improvising. Right now, if you're in prep because you chose to be in prep, you have to understand that there's a lot of uncertainty still, and be ready to improvise and change up original plans. So that's what I'm doing on Tuesday with my coach and putting together basically plan A, plan B, plan C, and go from there. Worst case I've decided is if shows start to get canceled again or postponed even further out, then I just do a photo shoot. So it's not been a total waste. And I think you have a really good mindset about all of it. I know if I was in your position, when I saw the results and stuff on Instagram yesterday and this morning, I know I would feel just both of us, we have that competitive drive. I know the immediate 
feeling I would feel is like, oh, I now want to get on stage. I want to qualify for Olympia. I need to qualify for Olympia. Those girls just did it. Why not me? And, and it's definitely a lot of pressure to put on yourself. And I think for all the uncertainty of this year, not being able to do a show, now having another show you were intending to do change, I think you've had a really amazing mindset and outlook on everything. And I think your sportsmanship and your attitude is something that others should look up to. So kudos to you, girl. Like, I think, I think you've handled all of it amazingly. Yeah, with that all said, um, I'm just... <laughs> I'm kind of on the other end. So there are a lot of people, including Michelle, who are prepping now. And and yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think I'm just kind of hanging out and enjoying the off-season life indefinitely for right yeah, now. Yeah, when did I see a Pop-Tart in your story today? What was that? Yesterday. Yesterday. Uh, yesterday. Yeah, remember, I'm under. I'm having a hard time getting all my calories in. So the Pop-Tart life. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, on my side, too, my life has been has been up and down. I have someone close to me that's been a part of my life for a while who had heart surgery and had a stroke, and I'm kind of around somewhat involved in all of that. So it's I've had my own things going on in the back burner on top of everything else that everyone is experiencing during lockdown. So, you know, it's this is a tough time right now. There's so much uncertainty. This is really a tough time for everyone because we really don't know when life is going to go back to quote unquote normal. And yeah, even just the normal stressors, the normal things that come up in life, they're still happening. And to deal with it with, you know, less of an ability to cope or just additional stress, it's tough. It's tough. So yeah, so I mean, uh, long story short, I mean, pop tarts for the foreseeable future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've already started creating a list of all the foods I want to eat once I'm off prep. So oh gosh. That strategy. Oh gosh. Pop tarts was added yesterday. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> Just don't start stockpiling these things. Yeah, and I would be careful about your Instagram searches. I if- am already trying to figure out what to do on my Instagram because my Instagram explore page is always filled with sushi, with baked goods, food. So I've been trying to just like pretty much like a bunch of like NPC competitors, fitness people. Like I'm trying to change my explore page, but I still go back and it's still food. So I'm like, am I going to have to leave my Instagram for a little bit? It's very possible. Yeah. Or just don't look (laughs) at your explore page. Don't, I mean, I say that, but like my first year of competing, I remember the the fall 2017 shows in particular. I would look at food on my phone late at night before bed like it was freaking pornography. Like I would just look, I would just look at BuzzFeed Tasty and like save recipes like, oh, I'm gonna make this and I'm gonna make that when I'm done. And it's it I just don't think mentally it's a good thing for anyone to yeah. do. And I've I don't do that anymore, but you know, do as I say, yeah. not as I've done, I guess. I'm definitely trying to avoid that because I, I have caught myself doing that of like scrolling and then I'm like, no, don't do this because it's just going to lead to a spiral. And that's why I'm making that list of things that I want to eat after prep instead of me stockpiling them. Yeah. That was kind of the other option. I'm like, okay, I'll write this down so I don't like keep thinking about it. For me, when I write something down, it like gets it off my mind. Otherwise, I just keep, keep thinking about it because I think I'm going to forget Okay. I forget that I want pop tarts after prep, so it's on my list. I'm not okay. Okay. That's right well. Now. That's good then. That's good. I'll then. bring. I'll bring you some pop tarts afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest thing that I try to remind myself—I don't know if you have any tips, Kaylee, 
when I'm prepping and I'm getting hungry and I can tell myself I'm getting, I can feel that I'm getting food focused, I remind myself that that food is not going anywhere. Like donuts, Mm -hmm. donuts are not falling off the face of the earth. They will still be there when I am done with my show. All the things I want to eat will still be there. So there's no pressure when you're, once you're done with your show, you have as much flexibility and it's not like, I don't know. It's not like that food is going to disappear off the face of the earth. So don't worry about it. I now get excited whenever I'm hungry because I feel like my metabolism has, has picked up and is processing Mm -hmm. food much faster than normal. Yeah. Or I always feel like kind of the same thing. I feel like, okay, I know I'm in a calorie deficit because I'm hungry. Mm. So that's, so that means my results should be good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird psychology, but. Um, yeah, it's all about what you tell yourself in your mind and how you switch that that mental focus. Transitioning in today's into today's topic, I think this is kind of a great segue. We are talking about self-love, body image, how that relates to competing, some strategies to really keep your your attitudes towards yourself, towards food as positive as possible and also just share our own experiences. All right, so since we are talking about body positivity, your self-image, self-love, what are some of the ways that competing can and maybe has affected you in your own self-image? I know one thing that's very common, and I hear a lot of girls talk about in person and also on social media, The I think the most common thing is a lot of girls get addicted to being stage lean and to doing competition after competition, even when their bodies are just screaming for a break because they have such a hard time seeing themselves when they are not at that lean, low body fat percentage. Is that something either of you have ever dealt with? Have you dealt with body image issues or whether it's competing or just in life? So... Prior to competing through high school and college, just growing up in general, I was one of the skinniest girls. I could barely put on weight, which a majority of the girls would wish that that was them, where I would constantly get comments asking if I had some sort of eating disorder, even though I ate all the time and a lot of food. I just couldn't put on the weight. So then fast forward to competing and I start putting on muscle and I actually have curves and I actually found myself to really love my body and building up the muscles and shaping out my body into the bikini silhouette. And for me, it's definitely made me love my body more, whether it's stage lean or even off season being even more curvy, but I definitely know that I prefer being lean closer to stage lean. Yeah. So long story short, I love my body much more now with muscles and the curves than I did several years ago when I didn't really have those. Same. Yeah. I think, I think I'm right there with you, Kaylee. Not to say I have not had times where I've really struggled with what I'm seeing in the mirror during the time that I've competed. But from the get-go, I think because my feedback, every single show is always come in fuller, come in bigger, that 
there was, if I wanted to get better at competing, I knew there was no choice but for me to gain weight. And over time, I've seen my body change in the most amazing ways. I love how I look, whether I'm stage lean, and you can see all your tie-ins, and you can see, like you said, all the muscle bellies, and just this body that you've built through your hard work. I love that. But I also do love, like, I kind of love being a little bit thicker and a little bit curvier. I feel like in some ways, you can actually look better in your clothes when you've got a little bit more meat on your bones, but it's like I still have the the base of muscle. So I know everyone is kind of at a different starting point, but yeah, I mean, I've also early on, I think when I had less muscle, I do think I had times in off season where I struggled and I felt fat or I felt gross or, you know, if you have coaches where you're in off season and your feedback is, oh, you've gained too much weight now, that's one of the most heartbreaking or triggering things, especially for girls that maybe have a history of eating disorders or anything like that, that can be very stressful. And I think the scale is can be a positive if you're just using it to measure progress, but it can be such an enemy too. And putting a weight on someone, I remember dating someone and I told them after competing in several shows, I was at my highest weight, which BMI is actually pretty average for my, my height. Hmm. And I told him that and he was disgusted by it, which mind you prior to the relationship, prior to competing, I was teeny tiny and way underweight. So I'm now within the average, probably still underweight, just with considerable muscle. And he was grossed out by it. But it, it's a number. Yeah. Literally, it was a number. It yeah. wasn't, you're grossed out by my body. You are mm-hmm. literally just looking or hearing a number and being grossed out by that. And it gets in our minds too. Mm-hmm. I know even right now with prepping, I'm about seven pounds more than I normally would be at this portion of my prep and it's definitely played a role in kind of stressing me out am I going to be ready which I've never felt this way in a prep I always know I'm ready ahead of time so yeah but I also I look at you as an outsider and I can I see to me it looks like you've gained muscle like yes some of that anytime you gain weight some of it is going to be body fat but to me you look like you've gained muscle so my guess is your stage weight is going to be higher than it was your last show Absolutely. And I think too, I put together, I went back to see other check-ins and I went based off of weight. So that number, and I put side-by-side pictures of my weight that I was last week to when I checked in several months ago at the exact same weight and you can see a difference. So the weight is in different areas of my body, which is what what you, what, what you want. That's like, what you that's want. That's what this yeah. is yeah. all about that, is that, building your body, sculpting it. That was kind of what my post was recently was just I've been feeling a little like it's been challenging looking at the scale and not seeing as much progress as I would think I would be seeing with the different changes I've been making with my first prep. But at the same time, it's really those those photos and, and being able to do that comparison, being like, wait, even though my scale isn't moving, I am losing weight I'm losing body fat gaining muscle whatever it is but in the end it's not necessarily what that number says it's about what you're bringing to the stage and I think that goes for both of us we're both in I mean 
you're definitely in a different place because you are way beyond me. But but in this in the way of like that number does not necessarily mean progress. Absolutely. And Michelle, you've had different transformations over the years. I mean, you've posted a lot of pretty incredible transformation photos. You and I went through a cut a little, you know, probably about a year and a half ago together and your results were awesome. How, like, what's your experience been having different stages with your body and, you know, finding acceptance or finding peace with yourself or not? Like, what's it been like for you kind of as a first time competitor going through all this in a more, more intense way? Yeah, I definitely mentally prepared for coming out of our last pep or competition together because I knew people who had competed for the first time and had a really difficult time coming out of it and gaining weight and seeing that difference. I think the biggest challenge for me was when I first got into fitness, when I first lost a bunch of weight, I lost like probably 25 plus pounds. I was at my lowest weight, which was like, I think it was like 117 or something, but this was before I was really strength training and was had a lot of muscle on me, but I, I was really low. And then I went and studied abroad for a semester. And, and I think that was a really challenging thing for me as I was what I thought was my healthiest, my leanest. And then I was in a whole another country living life. And, you know, there, I wasn't going to just keep myself at that same place so I I gained a lot of weight throughout that journey and I kept having to remind myself that I'm enjoying this experience I'm living the life that I want to live the weight that I'm gaining doesn't matter the weight that's not what this is about and I can always lose it again I can always go back to a healthy diet or to cooking again but in the moment and where I was at in my life was I wanted to enjoy and travel and and eat these foods of different cultures. And so I had to mentally allow myself to do that, knowing that I can always come back. Kind of similarly to, to the food. Like, donuts will always be there. Like, there's – I love I, – I love gaining weight because I can lose it again, I guess. I love, I love challenging myself and getting back to that. Yeah. Well, I also think that's a pretty – that's a pretty, number one, a healthy mindset to have towards all of it, but it's also a very confident mindset. I think there are a lot of women and men uh-huh. who don't feel like they can lose weight, who don't feel like they can do that and have control over their body. It, I mean, it definitely weight loss. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of focus. And and one of the biggest things I see, whether it's, you know, probably, probably less likely competitors, but more just like your average person trying to lose weight is they'll self-sabotage because they internally, they don't believe they can do it. And a lot of it goes to that self-talk and that just that mindset switch. I mean, we're so easy to have these automatic negative thoughts about ourselves or these negative core beliefs of I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'll never be able to do this. And so one, you know, huge technique that I recommend is, is really trying to ask yourself if that self dialogue is helping you or hurting you. Try to challenge it. Try to, what helps me a lot is when I have something negative that I'm saying about myself, I write it down. And if you just free flow thought, a lot of times you'll realize that near the end, you're saying the opposite. So really trying to break down those negative thoughts, those beliefs that you can't do something and figure out the root of it or figure out what evidence there is for that. Because a lot of times the evidence is not there. Yeah. I think that's a great strategy. I think one that 
um, probably similar to that that I've done because I'm very, very, very self-critical. I think that's very common with bodybuilders is you have to be fairly self-critical to do well. When I have a negative self or negative self-talk, one strategy I learned from some kind of personal professional development workshops I went to is to question why to acknowledge it and then to question where the thought came from. You know, if you can kind of, like you said, write, not necessarily write it down, but question it a little bit. Like, well, you know, I'm not good for nothing. Why am I having this thought? What triggered this or what precipitated this thought? Did I spend too much time scrolling on Instagram this morning and now I'm in a mindset of comparing my life and myself to everyone else? You know, did I have some interaction or something like that that made me feel bad and now I'm now I'm just kind of cascading these same type of thoughts? So that's been really helpful for me. Um kind of getting in that same vein. I think social media can be really hard too on competitors nowadays. I think that all that kind of puts us all in a comparison mindset, which is usually a, a lose-lose game in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I know, I feel like in the past year or so, there has been a lot of movements in the direction of body positivity on social media and the exposure and the, the realness in social media. So people have posted those side-by-sides of, these photos were taken five seconds apart. Your butt looks huge in one, looks flat in the other. Like, I think there is a lot more media presence that is moving in the right direction. But at the end of the day, there is still so much of the great angles, the paying attention to how many likes posts are getting and certain posts getting more likes, things like that are still huge to this day. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think things that kind of expose how much angling, filters, lighting, photoshopping goes into social media, you know, plastic surgery, fillers, Botox, like all of those things that go into it um, is really good. But I think especially in, you know, even just in the world of competing, it can be hard not to compare yourself because it's like you have instant access to anyone you've ever met or anybody who's in the fitness world, you kind of have instant access to what they're up to, what they look like, what's going on in their life. And it's very easy to get caught up in this game of, oh my gosh, does that, you know, does Issa Pacini, does she ever have a cheat meal ever? You know, I'm here eating my pot. Like I said, I'm here eating my pop tarts, you know, and I can easily look at whoever I've ever heard of, met, competed against and see exactly what they're doing. And, you know, how their competition season is going. And I think it's it's really can be very mentally tough, especially for women. I think just as women, we tend to, you know, derive more of our self-worth based on our appearance. I think that's partially just how we're conditioned in our society. And I think it can be very tough on women just having so much of that information at your fingertips 24-7. Yeah, and even if we know that, Instagram is a highlight reel. Instagram is a highlight reel. I feel like I'm telling myself that all the time. You still see things on social media and can't help but but have those thoughts of, of you know, does this person ever get a cheat meal? How do they do this? I can't do this. Things like that. But you're only seeing part of the picture when you look at Instagram, but it still can be so challenging to remember that and to not let that impact your negative thoughts. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about what about just feedback or experiences either of you have had 
either positive or negative from just family members, friends. I think a woman, a woman that chooses to compete or really dives into weightlifting, it can be kind of a controversial thing. And it's something a lot of people have an opinion on, whether it's their business or not. <laughs> I don't know. What are, what are some of your experiences been? I've had my own, but I would love to hear what, what you ladies have to say. Well, I know I mentioned, I think, in the last podcast, but I just remember when I first posted my poses, I posted all three. I posted, like, a side, a front, and a back, and, oof, my mom was not happy about it at all. So being aware of those things, if you guys haven't noticed, I haven't posted a picture of a back pose since then, but... Yeah, I think it can be really challenging because when I see that, my feet is filled with it because I follow a lot of competitors and I see a lot of stage shots, things like that. But being really aware that your feed, what you see on your timeline is so different than someone else's, especially your family, especially someone who's not into fitness and has all these competitors that they follow. That, that's been a huge like awakening for me with, with that instance, but a lot of other ones too. I have a lot of friends that have pointed out what my social media looks like and they give me a totally different view from from what I see because what I see seems more normalized compared to the people that I follow but to some I stick out a lot Hmm. that's a good point I've had a lot of positive feedback from my family but that's because I involved them so I've been lucky enough to have my dad, my granny, and my mom all come to shows once I was competing on the national level so that they could really see what all the hard work that I was doing went into and what kind of also everyone that was around. So I remember my mom in New Jersey, she was just saying, wow, oh my gosh, like everyone has muscles, like the women are beautiful, the men are beautiful handsome like (laughs) the men are beautiful (laughs) she was loving it like she had a bazillion questions but it was really really cool to see how it impacted her and how proud I actually made her so that was something that was really really great to see and have her be a part of and she supports me she always just wants to make sure that I'm healthy and that I'm eating and me just reassuring that side of it my dad has seen it so he's seen the back pose he's seen it all and he's actually been my photographer and videographer at majority of the shows to make sure that he captures as much of those memories and he I'm a daddy's girl so he doesn't look at it in any weird way but he's just there to support and knows how much I love it. And so of course then he loves it and he loves that I do it. And he's extremely proud. He literally, he was there when I won my pro card and he was in tears. And I told him, no, you cannot be in tears right now because I have to go back on stage and I can't get my makeup redone. So <laughs> no crying yet, Pops. Like, Oh, that's adorable. No, but so supportive. And then my granny. So she's pretty old school and she's gone to my shows as well. And She's very supportive, but she's been one of the members that is very opinionated and will tell me, you look too skinny. You need to eat a burger. You need to put meat on your bones. 
whatever, you have a diet face. Then there's a point where I say, okay, well, I've gained some weight. She said, well, you you have too much muscle now. So she definitely is opinionated. She shares it. I take it with a grain of salt. But the fact that she's even involved, I appreciate and I respect it. So we agree to disagree on some things, but she's come to support my at shows. And that's honestly all I can ask for. Mm-hmm. So that's some more positive. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, my parents, um, I think I'm lucky that they're not really on social media. So I kind of just post whatever I feel comfortable with. I I do have a pretty normal professional job. So, you know, I do have a little bit of discretion. I never did want to, you know, I, I don't do anything that I think is that that revealing. I do post competition pictures all the time and back poses. But yeah, my parents aren't on there. I think my dad is a bit more supportive than my mom. My mom's just a bit more conservative. So I think she thinks it's just a lot to be putting out there. But my dad, who's more, he's a biochemist. He's been much more involved in just the science of, he's a nutritionist. So he's involved in the nutrition side and and supplements and all those things. So I think he thinks it's very cool what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's more for me, like the experiences I've had, because I really dove into fitness around... 2011 2012 when I kind of gained weight after college and that's the crazy thing too when we were talking about the scale so when I got skinny fat like what really kicked me into fitness was feeling so uncomfortable and so gross in my body and I weighed when I was like that I weighed about 150 pounds and now I weigh more than 150 pounds and I feel like I am the best I've ever looked and that just that like blows my mind but it's because I've built so much muscle in the last decade that I look completely different. Even if I weigh one, you know, if I weigh 150 now, I'm close to my stage weight. Like I'm looking lean, I'm looking fit, tie-ins are starting to pop out. It's a way different body than where I was at when I started. But the amazing, the crazy thing that I think still will happen, um, even though women have made a lot of progress in weightlifting and just being in the weight room and, and women's fitness in general becoming more mainstream, One thing I noticed, I don't know if you girls ever get this, I feel like men that, strangers that don't even know you will come up to you and feel the need to give their opinions on what you're doing, tell you what you should, how you should be exercising, like they might tell you how your form should be or how you could do a variation of what you're doing. I've had that more times than I can even count. And then I've also had, you know, You'll get, I think as you get close to a show, you'll have a lot of positive feedback, a lot of compliments. People will ask what you're doing. But what I have had is just friends and family members. When I first started competing or just getting into it, there are a lot of people that will tell you their opinion on your body and what you're doing, whether you ask for it or not. I've had so many people I've known that tell you, don't get too manly. You know, like as if you're going to pick up one dumbbell and all of a sudden you're the Hulk and your clothes are ripping off. Women's bodies do not work that way. But I I think that's something I I can't be the only one. I think that's something that is still so common is just people feel the need to give your their opinion on your body and what you're doing simply, I hate to say it, but simply because you're female. I think that I definitely just get that or that kind of response, not even necessarily towards my body, but just in with clients that I work with or when people are reaching out to me about training a lot of females will have that automatic thought of like I will look manly and then I think just because I post a lot of transformation photos 
I have had a lot of people who have said, oh, you looked so much better before, or I like you better when you have more meat on your bones, or things like that, which is unasked for. It's, it doesn't, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what other people think about your body. It's about what you want and what you're working towards. I, I think that's the really, the challenging thing, and that was kind of something I talked about is, is just at the end of the day, your opinion matters and you'll get that unsolicited advice and that unsolicited opinion that a lot of times don't even, doesn't even make sense or isn't like credible, but it still impacts you, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's definitely, it's kind of a, you know, strange situation because you're putting it out on the internet. You know, when you mm -hmm. post your competition photos, you post your fitness photos, you're putting it out there for people to comment on, but yeah, I think more of what I guess irks me or I think now I don't I let a lot of this stuff roll off my back because I'm just in a in a place where I feel really happy with how I look and just how my body is and how I've put in so much hard work over time to shape it and build it. It's more the in-person feedback. I had, you know, I've had male coworkers tell me, you know, "Oh, don't take your weightlifting too far because you'll start to look manly." And I'm like, okay, well, how about, you know, how about I give you some tips on how to lose your dad bod, you 25-year-old who's already got a little, you know, beer gut and things like that. You know, I keep those comments to myself, but I think, yeah, I think there's just, there's um, something about being female where I feel like it's our bodies and how we look is is okay for conversation in a way that it would be weird if you were to talk about a man's appearance. A little bit and I don't want to get too much into into the weeds with gender stereotypes or things like that but I just think as a woman it's something that you kind of have to mentally prepare yourself for and you've got to get good at handling otherwise it, I feel like it can eat away at you or if you're if you're just letting the opinions of others get in your head I feel like that's not healthy um, one thing that you see a lot with competitors especially men and women, let's be clear, this is both male and female, is body dysmorphia can kind of be an extreme result of unhealthy body issues and unhealthy body image. I, Michelle, I would kind of love to maybe get a little bit more info on that from you or just to, to talk on that because you are a mental health therapist. Yeah, so I was actually, I actually have my, my lovely DSM in front of me because before we started the podcast, I was just looking into it a little bit more. Um, okay. So, so I know what a DSM, DSM is. What's a DSM? It's <laughs> like the, the Bible for, for, uh, mental health workers. So it, it's our diagnostic statistic manual. So it has every diagnosis for, mental health problems or related problems in the book. And so I was actually looking into it because I I work in a community mental health site. And so I'm not like, I don't work specifically with individuals that have eating disorders or uh, have OCD, things like that. It's more general welfare. And I was just kind of curious if body dysmorphia was actually in the DSM. And it's actually not unless I, I missed it. But but body dysmorphia ultimately is a mental health problem which you can't stop thinking about the problems of your body. So you can't stop thinking about any defects you may have, which could be something as simple as being feeling like you're overweight, or it could be if you have certain 
birthmarks, if you have just anything you see as a flaw. And a lot of times what that means is that you see it as a flaw, but others don't necessarily. And that's why it's dysmorphic. Um, but yeah, I just found it interesting that it's not necessarily a diagnosis, um, at least from the DSM side, but there it's, it goes along with all mm-hmm. the other yeah. mental health problems we know, like bulimia, anorexia, um, food intake disorders, things like that. Yeah. That's, inter- that's interesting that it's not in there. I thought it would have been something kind of more, more officially recognized, but that yeah, was... we have like subcategories, so it might be like a subcategory, but like if, say for instance, someone came into my clinic, I couldn't diagnose them with body dysmorphic disorder or body dysmorphia and bill for that through okay. their insurance, Okay, if that makes sense. So it might be like a subcategory, but it's not like a criteria that you need in order to get services. Like if that was all, if that was the only thing you were presenting with, you wouldn't be eligible I guess, for our treatment. Gotcha. But typically, if someone has body dysmorphia and they're coming in for mental health services, they most likely have depression, anxiety, or, you know, one of those eating disorders that I mentioned. Yeah. Not yeah. usually standalone. Yeah, and I think, I mean, just from my, this is more of just circumstantial, but I think from having friends that are competitors, both male and female, I think that the tendency or what you hear more is I think women tend to feel, you know, get obsessed or get overly concerned when they're not lean enough. And then for men, it can kind of be either or like you can have these massive bodybuilders who still feel like they're small, but then you can also, I think also have male competitors who also just feel like they're fat or they're not okay when they're not stage lean as well. Which yeah, is, whenever I think of body dysmorphia, I think of the image I'm sure I've seen somewhere on social media or just on, on the internet of an individual looking in the mirror and seeing a completely different picture of themselves than mm-hmm. we can see from the lens of the camera. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. I mean, what would someone do if they I mean, if someone is really struggling or really feeling like down on themselves? post-competition or something like that like Michelle what are what I mean what would you do to address something like that from a like mental health perspective yeah yeah like let's say you know Kaylee or I competes we do a show and then we start to gain weight in off season and we're losing it and we don't feel we don't feel okay we have a completely you know different picture of what our body actually looks like than what it is. Like, how do you go, how do you go about just addressing that or trying to get back to a healthier place mentally? Cause I feel like that's really, it's not, I don't think it's a physical issue. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent a mental cognitive issue. Um, so when it comes to eating disorder related thoughts or just negative thoughts, the main route in which, mental health therapist will go is, is using a cognitive behavioral therapy perspective, which is ultimately working out those cognitive distortions. So working out any of those thoughts that are not helpful, are not true, or are inaccurate in any way. And we do that through breaking it down. So cognitive behavioral therapy, we're looking at thoughts, feelings, behaviors. So if you're 
core belief or the belief that that comes out of that is I look fat or I am fat. You want to break it down into like, okay, what's the thought that is going with that? What's the feeling that's going with that? And then what's the behavior? So if it's kind of a, a negative route, your thought is that, you know, I've gained a lot of weight. I can't lose this weight. Your feeling is maybe depressed or, um, anxious about it. And then the behavior is you binge eat or you don't do anything about it, or you just, you go into some spiral. And so the way that we typically approach it is, is breaking that down and then trying to challenge it. So trying to look at that from an outward perspective. And so as a therapist, we would go in and help that individual see the bigger picture and, and really just figure out, like you had said at the beginning, like figure out what is, what is causing those thoughts and really try to knock it down. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm sure there's, there's a lot of shades of gray in between, you know, a completely healthy, normal body image and body dysmorphia. Um, I think, I think some of the other things too, that have helped me because I really feel like three years, about three years ago, kind of around when I was starting competing, this was sort of separate, but my work, I was at a very progressive, pretty amazing company and they put their employees in all of these kind of personal professional development workshops that they paid for. And one of the things I realized doing that was how bad my just confidence was. And I'm naturally kind of geared to be a high achiever. But what I realized through all of those workshops was that my self-worth overall was tied to achievement. And, and I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of mental work that goes into just genuinely loving yourself and, and loving your body and how you look is a part of that. But for me, I had to spend so much time and energy kind of questioning a lot of my negative self-talk. And, and also over time, I realized too, I try, not to, I try not to look at Instagram for about the first hour of my day because I think, I'm sure psychologists have studied this, but I feel like just looking at that first thing puts you in a, can put you in a place of comparison whether it's Facebook or Instagram or any other social media, I feel like looking at it is not the best for your mental health. So I think, you know, if you're feeling as a competitor that you're struggling with this or you're struggling with loving yourself or how you're looking or anything about that, that kind of cutting back on your social media usage can also be really helpful. Yeah, that's definitely huge. I think it also gets tricky too because – I think sometimes what happens with competitors is they get really addicted to the compliments too and the positive mm-hmm. attention that comes from when you're stage lean. Just, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I think what happens is you forget your why. You forget why you started doing it in the beginning because you get on this flow of compliments, of feeling like you look so good, getting on the stage, whatever it is, and you forget like, why did you choose the body belt in the first place? Or why did you choose to lose weight or whatever it is like going back to that and maybe readjusting your goals in the sense of focusing on performance or focusing on mental health. It's, it's how are you defining success? Are you defining success by that number on the scale? Are you defining it by feeling more confident in yourself or feeling healthy 
happy or whatever it is, trying to redefine and make a goal that's based off of that. Yeah, I remember between myself and then also Kyle's last prep and his very first show, there sometimes is a phase of depression. And so you're putting all this time and effort in training and prepping leading up to a show. And then once the show's done and over, then I remember being kind of mad <laughs> at the gym in a way, or like I just didn't want to go because I felt like all these negative emotions came out of it. And Kyle went through the exact same thing this past year. And I saw him and all he wanted to do was eat crap and sleep. Like it literally was this depressed state. And I had to really push him to even just get into the gym and do cardio, do something, but also remind him that before there was, uh, before there was his competition, he literally had a love for bodybuilding and would go to the gym on a regular basis. And it was his church. It was his way to reflect. And I just, I knew that from my past experiences that it can go into a very quick downward spiral and go into a depression. So speaking of self-love, I mean, those goals definitely continue to change Mm -hmm. and evolve. And even when you're in off season, okay, the judges said you need to grow shoulders or whatever, whatever the feedback is. So you focus on that. And you need food for that. And you need to gain weight for that. Men and women. Men can actually walk around with a much lower body fat. Women can't. And that's okay. And generally speaking, talking about other people around us, they prefer the less lean look. And it's just a healthy look. So yes, we love stage day. We love show day. We love the stage lean mm-hmm. look, but you've got to learn to love both bodies. Yeah. I think yeah. just to keep yourself sane, uh, to keep yes. yourself sane and happy. And yeah. And also I think having some goals that are not so physically based too, like mm-hmm. reminding, like you said, Michelle, reminding yourself of your why, or, you know, having a goal that I'm going to lift more weight when I do deadlifts or squats or something like that like something improving upon what you've done or being proud of the work you've put into something I think those are those are always ways you can kind of just take your focus and your attention away from just physically how you look but I also think too I agree with you I think women we're we can be so hard on ourselves competitors bodybuilders we can be so hard on ourselves because you really do have to be you've got to be somewhat self-critical to get better at bodybuilding like you have to be able to look at yourself be objective with yourself, pick out your weak points, but that can also be a you know your downfall too because you can go to an extreme where all you see are the weak points. You don't see the improvements. You don't see how good you look overall. You don't see that person in the gym who's obese, who has 100 pounds to lose, who looks at you and thinks, oh my gosh, if I could only look like that person, my life would be so good. You forget about those things. But circling back women, we get addicted to the stage lean look, but I actually think men prefer women who are not that lean. Like there are not that many men that are going to look at a girl 
who's like in peak week and be like, oh my God, that's so hot. That's well, very. <laughs> not with those diet faces. No. It's... I was going to say from like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? From a like biological perspective, not at all. Because when a woman is that lean, reproductively, they're not in a good state. Like, I, I don't know. That's just where my mind went is like, you can't reproduce when you're, when you're that stays lean, right? I mean, so I feel like in a way, like men aren't necessarily biologically attracted to that because it's not helpful from that standpoint. Yeah. Sorry if I went like a whole science. No, no that's, absolute, that's absolutely that true too. And keep in mind as bikini competitors, there's a lot that goes into looking good. So you know, to sort of augment how, you know, if, if most bikini girls, if they didn't have, you know, hair extensions, implants, things like that, you would look very different too. And especially if you didn't have, you know, a lot of girls have fake nails 24 seven, false eyelashes. If you took all of that away and you were just stage lean, that is not a very, I'll be honest. I don't think that's a very sexy look. Actually, it's really funny. (laughs) Kyle saw me for the first time at NBC universe and he literally with all done up and I naturally don't wear a lot of makeup usually and I don't really do my hair that often so all of a sudden I'm just completely extensions nails show makeup and he was like who are you like he had no idea who I was but also when we first started dating I met him on a dating app and I remember my pictures were a lot of my stage shots And right before I went to actually meet him in person, I started to freak out thinking, oh my God, if he thinks that I'm literally this lean and I look like this right now, like maybe he's going to think I'm a catfish. Like I'm not. (laughs) I I do look like this. I can get like that, but that's not my everyday walk around Kaylee look. So I remember sending him a text like, hey, you realize like I'm not this lean right now, right? And he was like, yeah, I assume so. And then it was fine, obviously. Mm-hmm. Over a year later, yeah. we're still good. But yeah. it it definitely stressed me out. And it's funny. Impact. It's funny hearing that too. Like hearing you say that because I feel like to someone who's not a competitor, I feel like that thought would not even like cross their brain. <laughs> I hope this girl is like actually the amount of her body fat percentage is actually what it looks like in her pictures. But I've done the same thing. Like I've had long periods of time in the last few years where I'm single and I'm on dating apps and I'll purposely try to make sure, oh, you know, do my photos actually kind of look like how I am now? Or, you know, if it's if I have stage shots up there and I'm in off season, is that actually accurate? And then I'm doing this weird thing where I'm then trying to find photos that are splitting the difference. (laughs) So that way I don't have to constantly change them. It's so weird, but yeah, I think, I think we're, we're way more obsessive about it than your average person. Who's just kind of the outsider looking in would be. Yeah. So how do you work towards self-love without focusing on just the picture in the mirror or focusing on the scale and the weight? And what are some, I guess, tips you could have for our listeners of things that they can do to to practice self-love and self-care and body positivity. I think some of the things that have helped me along the way, number one, my goal and what even got me interested in competing in the first place is I really just, I want to be healthy. I want to live a healthy lifestyle and granted competing is an extreme. It's sort of an extreme way to demonstrate, look at, look at the work 
and the effort I've put into building and shaping my body. And there are definitely things about competing that are unhealthy. But at the end of the day, my biggest concern is I want to be healthy. If I think competing is putting my health at risk at any point, then it's not going to be worth it to me. So I've always tried to stay healthy. So so having that as your intent, I think that's important. Like competing shouldn't just be, I want to look really good all the time, or I want attention. or in, So really getting in touch with what your intentions are, I think that's important. And then also to finding ways to talk yourself up to be your biggest hype woman, because all of us have amazing qualities. All of us are have different talents, attributes, things that make us special and make us who we are. And, and not all of that should be physical. So what are the things about you that make you who you are, that make you special, that make you an awesome person and reminding yourself of that stuff, that it's not just all about how you look. And then kind of on the more physical side, the way I've helped myself transition from this very stick skinny girl with not a, not that much muscle into who I am now and kind of loving all phases is is embracing what I'm doing and really trying to improve. So listen to the judges feedback. If they say you need to build muscle, mentally prepare yourself to gain weight, to be uncomfortable. Competing is not a comfortable thing. If you're seeking out comfort, go do something else. This I just don't think it's for you. So Having that in mind, being also nice to yourself, like sometimes what I'll do in off season or what I have done is off season is I'll treat myself to shopping or I'll go clothes shopping for new, new like pool bikinis or new clothes that I think maybe my off season body will look good. And if I've got more curves, maybe I'm going to go do some shopping and find some things that really flaunt my shape and flaunt like a fuller physique and look good on a fuller physique different clothes, like things like crop tops and show off your body and all of that, you're going to rock that and feel super confident when you're stage lean always. But maybe maybe when you're a little thicker, if you're not feeling so good about your tummy or something, maybe buy some clothes that show off your butt and your boobs a little bit more. You know, whatever's going to flatter your frame, there are people that are going to be attracted to you at any phase. So just, I, I think, keeping that in mind too. Like especially, I think a lot of times women, we get also our self-image and our body image caught up in what men think as well or what others think. Keep in mind, everyone has different preferences and different looks that they think are hot. So there is no matter what you look like, there's always going to be someone out there that thinks you look hot. So remind yourself of that. Be your own biggest hype woman and just be kind to yourself. Love that. Other I'm thoughts? Like, yeah, I, do. I can't <laughs> Other thoughts. I can talk. Some of my tips, I guess, would be definitely focusing on your goals. I think having goals that are not just aesthetic, that are focusing on your performance, on your mental health, on the amount of things that you're doing, people you're interacting with. Having different goals is super important. I also think positive affirmations are life. I think having ways that you can talk to yourself in a positive way is super important, whether that's putting sticky notes everywhere or um, maybe waking up, writing down a checklist of things you're grateful for, celebrating any wins, big or small. I think that's all super important. When it comes to positive self-talk, being able to talk to yourself like you're talking to a friend, like if you wouldn't say that thing to a friend, why would you say it to yourself? So really trying to be kind to yourself, to learn how to compliment yourself, and also to accept compliments. I think 
a lot of times we're so quick when someone does say something positive about us, like, it looks beautiful. We might say, thank you, but da, 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 because we're so focused on our flaws or on anything that's wrong. So really, thank you is enough being able to accept what people say and show that gratitude. That's, that's all you need to do. Um, I think also, let me see, what else would be positive? I think comparing yourself, I think, is something that we mentioned a bunch but didn't point out directly with social media, with other competitors, it's so easy to look at other people and want to be like them and want to figure out what they're doing and beat yourself up over the differences. And so comparing yourself will really hurt yourself. I mean, the only one you can compare yourself to is yourself, but at the same time, you can't assume that where you're at today is where you you can't compare it to like where you were like 10 years ago. Like for me, like my body was so different a few years ago. And so even then I can't, I can't compare that. So really just trying to better yourself without comparing yourself to other people is really important. And then also just support system, making sure you're surrounded by people that are hyping you up. Like you said, hype yourself up, but have people that are also on your side that are supportive. We talked about family, friends, um, if anyone's not, on your side, not hyping you up during this time. I mean, might be time for a cleanse of toxic people. So really trying to make sure that you are able to support yourself and you have people that can support you as well. I think I'll just add to wherever you're at in your life and what that lifestyle looks like, embrace it. So if you're in a prep and your goal is to step on stage for the first time or go for your pro card or get Olympia qualified, embrace that. If you're in off-season and you're about to travel, Michelle, you mentioned going abroad and seeking other cultures and how they, how they interact and eating their foods, embrace that. Also, none of us have this just yet, but mothers with newborns embracing their bodies that provided this miracle of a baby and that life change. So I think just being positive and embracing wherever you are in your life and always just driving towards whatever goal you want to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, I feel, I don't know. I feel very happy after having this chat with you girls. (laughs) I feel like this was a a very, very uplifting topic. I was tired at the beginning of this and now I'm like, (laughs) I'm hyped up. I feel good. 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 Well, now I will let you two go so you can eat your next meals since you <laughs> yeah. got there on prep. My stomach was growling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Bikini Things. Do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on any of the other podcast platforms that you listen to. We are available everywhere. And if you have a friend that might like this, don't forget to share with a friend. We really appreciate it and follow us on IG at bikini underscore things and we will catch you in the next episode of Bikini Things.